everyone. This is Pete Bennett. Thanks for listening to the Above and Beyond podcast. Um, on this episode, I interview Sean Cook. Sean is a senior audit and compliance uh, engineer for Medtronic. Medtronic, of course, is a global leader in medical device technology and medical devices. And so um, Sean, before he transitioned and started to work for Medtronic, was an Army engineer officer. He has a mechanical engineering degree from the Catholic University of America. And when he originally transitioned, or initially transitioned, he transitioned into a design assurance role, uh, an engineering role within Medtronic up in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and has navigated his career to Southern California and into the audit and compliance engineering role. And so for this episode, we really focus in three main areas. We talk about how he overcame a couple of obstacles in his first year outside of the military working for Medtronic. We talk about taking ownership of professional development, and we talk about taking ownership of career progression, and really the two main keys to career progression. So Sean has some interesting insight and interesting perspective, and I think you'll take away some some good nuggets of information from this podcast. Um, here at Camera Brooks, we uh, partner with military officers, facilitate a transition into leading companies and into development candidate or leadership roles. And so if you're interested in learning more about Cameron Brooks, you can find a ton of information at our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can also pick, a co- pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America. It's in its fourth edition. It's written by Roger Cameron, the founder of Cameron Brooks, or a founder of Cameron Brooks, as well as uh, Chuck Alvarez, who is our president and CEO and co-authored as well by uh, Joel Junker, who leads our recruiting effort as a partner and our senior vice president. So uh, without further ado, let's get on to the podcast. Here's Sean. All right. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Welcome to the Cameron Brooks Podcast. Hey, thanks, Pete. Yeah, good deal. So let's jump right into it. Um, why don't Why don't we start here? And I think this is real helpful for those who listen to the podcast to know kind of where you've come from. So maybe you can start a little bit with, um, so you went to school at Catholic University, you studied mechanical engineering, you were in the Army. Just kind of walk us through a little bit of your of your history and your past in the military. Great. Yeah. So in uh, May of 2011, I, I commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army. Uh, my first duty assignment was uh, uh, jumping right into Joint Base Lewis McCord, where I uh, trained cadets at what used to be known as LDAC uh, for a couple months. And following that, I went to the Engineer Basic Officer course out of Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. Spent about nine months there. And my real first assignment as a second lieutenant um, trained in the engineering trade was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the 82nd Airborne Division, where I spent about three years. Uh, I served in two separate platoons, a light equipment platoon, uh, moving up into a sapper platoon, uh, which was combat engineering. Uh, mm-hmm. Primary mission was mobility, counter-mobility, and survivability. And uh, uh, the majority of the time, I was I was on what was known as the Global Response Force, uh, and responded anywhere in the world within 18 hours uh, with combat engineers. Uh, primary mission, again, was mobility, counter-mobility, and survivability. Uh, and, and that was following a, a joint force entry uh, via airborne operations out of Fort Bragg. After uh, after serving as a platoon leader, I moved into a company XO position, executive officer position. I was second in command for 
the engineering companies there in my unit. And when I started to think about transitioning from the military to uh, corporate America, I actually got involved with a bunch of uh, civilians there at Fort Bragg working as a quality assurance representative with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. So I got some uh, pretty good experience with uh, professional engineers working on military construction projects at Fort Bragg. And that was really a good uh, transition for me as my final, uh, as a final job in the military. Really uh, validated, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, I was ready to transition. And um, I actually have a twin brother that went through uh, Cameron Brooks pro program. He, he uh, had mentioned Cameron Brooks to me. I, I called them up and within a matter of four months of working with them, I successfully transitioned out of the Army into corporate America and more specifically the medical device industry. So, so yeah, let's talk about that. So you, you were in quality assurance, last job, quality assurance, uh, Army Corps of Engineers, and then you transitioned to Medtronic into a quality a design assurance engineering job. Were there? Did you feel like there was overlap between what you were doing in the Army and what you went to Medtronic to do initially? Yes, there, there was some overlap. So the quality assurance job I had with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was more uh, geared around construction, military construction. But uh, just like any quality assurance role, you're going to have uh, regulations and, and standards that you need to follow and you need to um, – I suppose audit or check against, and so in the army I was I was looking at construction regulations, uh, and when I got onto the medical device industry, which is a highly regulated industry, industry, um, it was very easy to to you know read through almost legal written documents to uh, and understanding the requirements from those documents and how they apply to my particular function uh, in the medical yeah. device world. Now, how did let's back up just slightly. How, why did you know you you came to the career conference, um, you know, had twelve or thirteen interviews or so. How, why did you ultimately choose Medtronic? What was it about that company in particular that really attracted you most? Would you say the thing that attracted me most about Medtronic was really their mission statement. Um, it was. Uh, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life. And that was something that I found a lot of meaning in. Uh, I didn't want to leave the military, which has a very similar mission statement of, of you know, bettering the lives of others, you know, giving people a voice that they otherwise don't have. Um, not that that's the military's primary mission, but, uh, it, you know, we, we defend the little, little guy, per se. Uh, so it was really meaningful to move into a role in which I could uh, be an asset in creating devices that, like I said, alleviate pain, restore health, and extend life. It was just part of this uh, larger community trying to make the even larger community a better place. You know, we spend a lot of time talking to military officers about their interest, functionally speaking, but 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 that's not where you went when I asked the question, why did you choose Medtronic? It was really, you didn't say anything about because I could do technical engineering. It was more like the mission statement of this company was the most attractive thing to me, which I think is a really insightful question because career searches aren't built on 
what you're going to do in that first job out of the military. Certainly it's important and, and dialogue needs to be had about that, but it also has a lot to do with, you know, the quality of the company, the quality of the opportunity, the quality of, uh, or the culture of the company and things like that, right? Would you, would you agree with that? I mean, I'm kind of leading you down that path, but maybe kind of speak to me a little bit about that. Well, absolutely. Um, so as you know, Pete, uh, my first job at, at Medtronic, who I work for now, is uh, uh, was as a design assurance engineer. So that was a quality engineering role. And um, it wasn't necessarily the greatest fit for me in the long run. Uh, but the company was a great fit, and it's it's really that mission statement of the company I believe in, um, and, and so I I was able to successfully you know identify uh, a position within the same company that was a better fit for me, and, and I pursued mm-hmm. it and and moved. Now the, that that's such an interesting topic. I feel like we can go go off you know seventeen different paths if we wanted to. Maybe maybe speak to this. So why do you feel like the role that you chose, and you had options, so you obviously made the choice um, coming out of the career conference and making a decision about where you were going to go and what you were going to do. Why did you feel like maybe it wasn't the greatest fit, the, the first role that you had in the military as the senior design, um, senior design assurance, I'm sorry, now I've kind of lost my, lost my senior design assurance engineer. Why was that... Um, perhaps not the greatest fit in the long run? Well, I'll start with, uh, in the beginning, I really did enjoy the job. I worked on uh, cross-functional teams, uh, served as a quality quality team member, so I had an extended quality team underneath me. So uh, the position was great because I did uh, supervise the work of others and and, and work, work, do a lot of collaboration work with uh, folks across different sites uh, in different functional areas. So under quality, for example, I I work with manufacturing, I would work with microbiologists, I would work with uh, sterilization, component engineering experts. Uh, But in the long run, uh, what was difficult is that was just a small aspect of my job. The majority of my job was very individual contributor based and uh, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's coming from a military background where we are very accustomed to being in charge, whether it's a platoon, uh, a company, uh, or even program is if, if you're on a, a, at a staff level, whether that's battalion or brigade, you have some seniority. And I thought to myself that uh, I, I really wanted to break out of the individual contributor path and move into more of a leadership path. And fortunately, my leadership background uh, provided me with leverage to, to move to that path. So I will st- uh, also say when I moved roles, I moved for laterally from design insurance engineer to now what I'm uh, um, labeled as a senior audit and compliance engineer. Um, but the new role I'm in now provides me with a lot more visibility. It gives me a lot more autonomy to uh, run programs in which, um, you know, in the manner I want to run them, obviously within the... Mm-hmm you know, goals and objectives uh, that, that are set up by more senior leadership, but it's really provided me the opportunity to be seen and heard by a greater uh, spectrum of folks above me. Uh, and really that visibility, I hope, will open up more opportunities for me in the future in this company. There, there, I want to keep pulling on the thread, but let me just back up just one moment. 
let's talk about that first year after you made the transition, moving from the Army to Medtronic, you've moved, you're, you're now in place in Southern California. Um, what were some of the hurdles, not necessarily about the function of the work that you were up to, but maybe can you talk to us a little bit about that first year? What were some of the hurdles that you were overcoming as it relates to, hey, new company, new industry, new culture, new location, I mean, really new everything. What were some of the things that you were fighting through um, in that first year at Medtronic? Absolutely. So my first year at Medtronic, I, I relocated from Fort Bragg, North Carolina to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And what was very interesting about that move was I was supporting a team in which my manager and all my team members were located in Southern California. So I was working remotely from my team. So hurdle number one was not only did I move to a new city um, to, a, to a new job, I was still kind of left uh, isolated uh, and, and left up to you know figuring out on my own, much like you do when you first commission as a as a military officer. It's you always hear figure it out, lieutenant. Uh, you know, and, and it was actually that uh, that experience as a as a you know, new military officer that prepared me for this moment. So struggle number one was you know being isolated from my manager and my team uh, and. and trying to figure out a whole new industry, new business, new location all by myself. Uh, another Let me ask you this. Would, before, you, before you talk about that, was that a surprise to you? Because sometimes I get on the phone, I have the opportunity to visit with our alumni regularly, and I talk to a lot of people in the first year, and sometimes I talk to people that they say, wow, this, I didn't think it was going to be this way, or maybe that was a surprise to me. And not in a bad way. It's over. Obviously, all of these obstacles are overcomable. But you didn't call me and say, "Hey, Pete, what's going on here? I thought it was going to be this way, and it's that way." It sounds like you just kind of figured it out. I mean, so was it a surprise to you that that you were remote and you were more isolated, or you know, what were you, what were your expectations versus what happened? So before I talked to the hiring manager. Um, I, I could have told you that it was a surprise. My expectation coming from the conference is I uh, would be on a team and work with that team at the same location. Uh, but after I had uh, talked with the hiring manager at the time, I, I understood that he worked out in Southern California and the rest of the team was out in Southern California. And he had provided me a reason as to why I would be working at Minneapolis, uh, which over time in the role, I realized was very important. We had, uh, or I supported products that were manufactured and designed in Minneapolis. So it was really important for me or for someone within the design assurance group to be on site uh, and, and oversee those activities. And I accepted that. So it was a surprise before talking to the company, to the hiring manager, uh, but afterwards I was comfortable with it and, and figured it out as I went. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, so that's got you, you. You're about to tell me another hurdle. What was it? What was the other? What was another hurdle that you were kind of fighting through uh, when you made the transition? Sure. So another hurdle really is industry knowledge. Uh, I, I prepped a lot prior to the conference, um, or well, actually during the conference when I was given the the information packet on on Medtronic, and you know did my best to to learn as much as I could. 
so I could be effective at interviewing. And uh, I realized that what's provided in the, the uh, information packets provided at the conference is only a very, very small fraction of what the industry is all about. So another hurdle is, mm-hmm. is, is learning as much as you can. And I don't mean particular to your role. You know, it's important just like in the military how you not only know your mission and the mission two levels up, you know, that, that transfers over to, to corporate America as well. You want to know your mission and your function, but you also want to see how that, you know, affects the overall goals of the company. You know, who are the competitors that we're facing? Who are the, uh, uh, what are the functions of the departments that you'll be working with? And uh, even, you know, maybe leading, uh, not directly, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm screwing up here, but, um, you know, understanding the functions in which may end up on your extended team, uh, quality team, so supplier quality, uh, component engineering, microbiology, you really need to understand the importance of everybody's role and how it all ties into the bigger picture here. So whether that's your particular product that you're, you're designing uh, and how that product feeds into a, a market that needs that product. Um, mm-hmm. So really, to more concisely answer your question, it was just industry knowledge. Um, yeah. You know, now, and, could and, you, those were specifics, you know, like, you know, who the competitors are, what the department does, who I'm going to be working with, how, how it flows. Do you think that there's anything that you could have done knowing what you know now? And you're a few years removed, so maybe you don't quite, you know, maybe you're not thinking about this as much nowadays, but is there anything that you feel like you could have done from a bigger picture to expand knowledge um, through this process? Or are you just saying, hey, you know, once you hit the ground running, learn everything you know? You understand my question? Yes, I understand your question. Um... Surely, uh, reading the books that uh, Cameron Brooks has a list for uh, helps to an extent, helps you understand basic mm-hmm. uh, business terminology. Uh, it'll help you understand, you know, really what a manufacturing process is and what it looks like, you know, uh, right. tools such as Lean and, and, and Six Sigma. Uh, those things help to an extent, but when it dwindles down to industry-specific knowledge, uh, I, I had to just go out and learn by myself, and, and I didn't know what I needed to learn until I, I, I hit that roadblock. Um, for example, right. when I first started with Medtronic, I was supporting uh, uh, mechanical heart valves and uh, annual plasty devices, which are uh, repair products for, for heart valves. And one thing that was important to understand is not only the design and really what goes into um, developing products and really sustaining these products if there's design changes, but it really helps to understand the cardiovascular system. I knew nothing about the cardiovascular system. I did not study it in college or high school, uh, so I did a lot of a lot of research on my own. And you know, just finding those uh, opportunities to learn at your company are great too. I remember uh, within first couple months at Medtronic, I had uh, signed up for what's called a wet lab, where I got to see how these devices I was supporting are actually implanted uh, and do it myself into a uh, a pig heart. So we had pig hearts, we had our product, and I got to see how they were sewn in and how they fit and really helped me understand uh, 
you know, more about the human heart and, and really the cardiovascular system and how these products, you know, repair and, and, and uh, you know, help patients, really. Right. Yeah, so it sounds like you were, you know, you took it upon yourself to go above and beyond. I mean, and, you know, you could say, well, you know, I'm not learning as much as I can or, yeah, but it sounds like you took it upon yourself like, well, I need to, I need to learn um, supplemental, maybe that's the right word, supplemental knowledge that will help me be more effective in my role. Like no one's requiring you to go to the wet lab, but, but I should go to the wet lab because, boy, that sure, sure would help me be more effective in some of the quality assurance stuff that I'm doing, right? Absolutely. It takes, it takes initiative. Identify, you know, what it is that'll, that'll help you in your role and, and just go after it. <laughs> now, how did you, um, you know, you made, you made the move from, um, from the quality assurance engineer over to senior audit compliance engineer. And so the, I like the way you said it because it, it helps to alleviate some of the confusion you know, in the military, as you, you kind of walked us through it, you know, you were platoon leader, XO, you know, you worked for the Corps of Engineers, you know, you, you had this specific path, which, you know, maybe was a little bit unique, especially with Corps of Engineers, but you were an Army engineer officer, so maybe it wasn't completely unique. But the interesting thing is you took your career in your own hands when you made the move, and it was a lateral move, fine but you went from the design assurance over to the senior audit compliance. You essentially said, there's something that I want to go do. I'm going to compete for it. I'm going to interview for it. I'm going to give somebody my resume. And, and that's so unlike the military. And so tell us a little bit about that piece of navigation. How did that come about? Again, why did you, why did you go in that direction? Just tell me more, because I think that would be really helpful to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're you're very correct in that the military has you know those key detail assignments to you know for natural pr career progression and you know those expected assignments that that every JMO goes through. Um, on the contrary, in corporate America, there really is no defined path uh, that I have seen, and, and you get to pave your own. So uh, I'll back up. I, I did work in Minneapolis for a year and. Uh, being from Southern California myself, I did have a selfish interest of you know, returning to Southern California. And sure. I, I will tell you, um, just, just interpersonal skills and in, in, in networking and in, in getting in, in front of the right people. And you may, you may be talking or having lunch with somebody that may or may not be the right person. You don't know. But just, just being friendly, just being yourself and you know, handing each other business cards will open up more doors than you think. And eventually I, I was able to have the company move me from Minneapolis to um, Santa Ana, which is Southern California, Orange County area. Uh, and I was still in my same design assurance role. I fulfilled that role for about uh, six, seven months uh, further in Southern California. And uh, interesting door opened up. Um, my now manager for the audit and compliance group had approached me and, and told me that there was a job opening opening in her team. And I had known her because I had worked with her before uh, on my design assurance team. So again, it was just working your hardest. People, people may not uh, commend you every day. They may not you know, say thank you. Uh, they may not uh, you know, say job well done or give you credit where you know, otherwise it may maybe do, but they do notice. Um, 
and, and so I was I was approached because I was seen to have worked hard. I, I had a personal relationship or had built a personal relationship with this individual uh, and, and went through the entire interview process. I didn't just get the job because I knew her. I interviewed with her boss. I interviewed with uh, some other members that don't even work on the team, uh, but, but we're stakeholders in what our team works on. Um, and and uh, it, it just kind of worked out from there. Uh, I was I was provided an offer and I, I made the move, um, and and that's how I ended up here. So it's it's really again comes down to you know don't burn bridges, um, you know develop personal relationships and uh, and you know doors just kind of open, and you get to choose the door you want to go through. So I really I really like where you're going. I I end up talking about this a fair amount in conversation with military officers looking forward to making the transition. And I hear things like, you know, when I get out, one of the criteria for the where I want to go and what I want to do is I want to make sure that there are developmental opportunities. And and I this is what I say. I say you want to move in a company, you've got to deliver high quality results. And you said that yourself, right? You you've got to work hard. But the other piece is you got to develop a professional network. And you said it a lot better than I, what I usually say, but you're talking about interpersonal skills and networking and, and just being a good person. And, and that's the way, way it happens. But let me ask you a question. Do you, Sean, feel like you are a, quote, development candidate? Are you a development candidate? I would say I'm a development candidate, yes. Absolutely. You, I mean, you're going to, I mean, you're going to have the opportunity to grow in your organization. But if I asked you right now, hey, man, where are you going to be in two or three moves from now? What would you say? Hopefully, hopefully in a more developed role, uh, more senior. Well, well, I was going to say, you're probably going to say, I don't know. Because, you know, look, man, what happens in a year now when you, when you were a show for, or two or whatever it is from now, you look around and say, you know, the next thing that I should be doing in my career is actually out of the compliance and audit department. I need to be over here doing X, Y, Z. But the, it's undefinable right now, this minute, right? I mean, I don't. I guess I'm making some assumptions here, but what do you think about that? I I, I agree. Um, you certainly don't know where you're going to be. Uh, you you can only you know do the best you can where you're at right now to 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 get where you think you want to go, right? And again, yeah. like I, I had mentioned before, more than one door will open up, and you get to choose that path. Um, I I can say that you know having been in corporate America for just over two or about two and a half years now, uh, in, yep. in, in updating my, my, uh, LinkedIn profile, just my LinkedIn profile. It's amazing how many people have, you know, uh, reached out to me via personal messages on LinkedIn from the medical device industry and, and just really other industries too, but that have similar quality functions. Um, and mm-hmm. not saying I'm, I'm, taking a new job, but those doors are there. So, I think that's one of the hardest things for, for those that are not in business yet to grasp is that it's not like the military. In the military, you know, you're, you're on a track, you stay on the track, you don't get off the track, but in business, you just have so many more choices and opportunity. And, and not to say that you know, the, you know, it, therefore, you know, you can jump around every six months and do 50 things. I mean, there's something to be said for staying somewhere and chopping wood. 
and delivering high quality results and being an expert in what you're doing, right? But at the same time, I think that it's just a hard thing to to conceptualize for military officers is, man, I I'm marketable. I have skills. I I'm going to build a network and I get to I get to choose my path and and I think that's a fun and exciting place to be in business. And I think you know it, it may it's a little counterintuitive. It sounds a little bit like scary, like well, what's going to be next? But at the same time. I feel like that's pretty darn freeing because it because you you get to take more control of your career. I agree one hundred percent. What do you? Let me change gears on you here. What are you? What are you working on professionally? Are you reading any anything? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you trying to develop yourself professionally? What's going on in Sean's Sean Cook's world? So I I, I will admit that uh, my level of professional reading has died uh, since joining corporate America. But I think a lot of that is attributed to uh, catching up with uh, industry specific knowledge. Um, You know, as I had mentioned previously, you know, there's a lot of uh, training opportunities that I I sought after myself. Uh, One example is the wet lab, uh, but also, you know, reading what I can from, from, you know, valuable sources or reliable sources online. Um, and, and even uh, you know, textbooks that uh, my peers keep at their desk to learn as much as I can about the role. And since I've shifted roles uh, to this uh, audit and compliance role, now I'm, you know, uh, as an auditor, I'm expected to know the quality management system left and right uh, for the medical device industry. And that's not just one ISO standard, but every every country in which we distribute product has their own um, you know standards and regulations. So it's it's a lot of my professional reading is geared towards my position, uh, and, and it's it's learning you know what what uh, Brazil requires versus Japan versus the U.S. versus Australia. Uh, there's a lot to lot to learn, and, and that's really what I'm focused on right now. Um, mm-hmm. But every every now and then when I when I do um, uh, find the time I do pick up books and a lot of uh, what's actually pretty great. I have, I have a couple managers in my office that just keep a stack of just business specific and leadership specific books on their desk. And they're so, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they look forward to people coming up and, and pick, pick, taking a book. It's like a, it's like a leadership library and, and you just bring it back whenever. And I do have uh, one, one particular manager of mine that does that and, I picked up a couple of her books. Uh, the most recent I read was The Radical Leap. Uh, I can't tell you the author, but it was a very, very good read. Uh, and it was very applicable to, um, you know, just kind of like what I was going through, dealing with people and, and uh, you know, problem solving. And um, one fun thing about that book in particular is it, it, it was set in, in San Diego, where I'm from. So I could even relate to it more. I didn't even know that going into it. Uh, but um I will. I will like to. I would like to emphasize the importance of you know continuous learning. Uh, you know, and learning outside your function. It's important to to keep reading and, and, and taking lessons from what you read and applying it to not only your role, uh, but also you know maybe you read something and that's something you want to get into. Then you network with the right people and, and open up those doors and, and move into a a field that you may have not known existed much like how you probably don't know the medical device industry exists when you're when you're a lieutenant right. in the army so 
Gotcha. And you said that was the radical leap. I looked that up just now that the, the author is a guy named Steve Farber. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. And he also wrote Extreme Leadership. You know, the interesting, you mentioned Southern California. There's a, uh, at least the cover of the 10th anniversary edition has a big surfboard, surfboard yeah. on the on the front cover. So that's right. Yeah, pretty neat. I, I want to look that up as well and do a little bit of research on that. Um, what about advice? What kind of advice are, are you getting and maybe what kind of advice are you giving right now? So as far as giving advice, um, you know, I, I will say that one thing that se- separates the, uh, you know, the college student that goes straight into corporate America and uh, the military officer is just the uh, level of initiative, the, the JMO is accustomed to taking, the, the level of, you know, performing without guidance. And, uh, you know, I, I, I find myself in these situations where I have, um, you know, peers of mine uh, approach me for advice as to, you know, what they should be doing for their next career move, how they should get there. It, it, simple things. Hey, can you, you know, take a second look at my resume? Um, hey, do you know anybody uh, that's interested in this, this uh, uh, you know, position? I mean, it, with the networking piece and uh, just having that leadership background, you know, I do find myself kind of coaching individuals and almost mentoring individuals on the side. And am I mentoring them in, in the current role that I'm in? No, because I'm, I'm, I'm the newest in my team right now. I'm the newest in my role. I don't have the, the knowledge and experience. However, you know, a lot of people look up to me um, just for kind of like leadership advice, I suppose. I, even, I actually even have, uh, you know, managers come to me with, with certain problems. And, you know, after thinking about it, I'm like, oh, you know, I had a similar situation with a soldier when I was a platoon leader back, you know, here at Fort Bragg. And this is what I did about it. And this is, you know, how it, how it panned out. Um, and a lot of people, you know, kind of take it and, and, you know, might apply that method or a method that's a little bit more applicable to, you know, corporate America. So just, just having a leadership background or a military background, people will approach you for advice because they see something yeah. in you that you're not going to find in, in your average, um, you know, first, second year out of college student. Um, and advice I receive, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's a, that's a difficult question. Um, I haven't sought out advice in a while, but I think that's the point, right? It's important to seek advice. Um, it's important to accept that you don't know everything. Uh, sure especially about the comp- or the industry or, or, or your role. You know, it's important to ask questions. And, you know, if you are struggling professionally um, or, or even personally outside of your profession, it's, it's important to seek out that advice because, you know, there are people that will just give it to you freely. Um, but a lot of the time, uh, people aren't willing to help unless you, you ask for it. Uh, so I think that's my advice is, you know, if you, if you decide to make the transition from, you know, the military to like corporate America, first off, I'll, th- I'll say, I, I think it's great. You, you have a lot of opportunity in corporate America. Um, but when you get there, you're going to have a lot of questions. You're going to have a lot of concerns. You're going to hit a lot of obstacles. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help, uh, especially um, because people will help if you ask because they want you to succeed, especially especially if you're working on the same team for them, for them or with them, they want you to succeed. So. 
One final question. If you, if you were going to go in the past three years, but you're still in the Army, you're close to making a transition, but you're not quite there yet, and give yourself one piece of advice to help you be successful, what do you think you'd say to yourself? I would, I would say, um, you know, relationships matter, personal and professional. I would, I would say that every person you meet might, ex- might be the next person to extend a hand out someday. Um, so really just, just network. Network is the advice I would give. You know, maintain, Great. you know, your, your social profiles, uh, you know, maintain your professionalism on those profiles, especially. Um, but but never burn bridges, and 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 don't uh, don't think that somebody doesn't have anything that they can offer you because everybody does, and uh, you know good things will happen if you maintain relationships. Yeah, that's great, Sean. Been a great dialogue. I really appreciate your insight. I really appreciate your um, your wisdom and candor as it relates to navigating your career, as it relates to building relationships and jumping in and you know, really learning more about about your job and your company and industry, even than, than that's re- what's required in order to help you be successful. All really good tips. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule to meet with me and, and share your insight. And I look forward to catching up with you down the road, maybe at another Camera Brooks conference. Absolutely.